The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we have got on a fantastic writer. He also does social and cultural commentary. He is originally from Canada, but now residing in the USA. And this is the one and only Samuel Say. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Most welcome. So I've done a brief intro there, Samuel, but for people who are not familiar with who you are and what you do, please tell them about yourself. Yeah, yeah I, I suppose, you know, as you were uh, introducing me, I could say I'm originally from Canada, but I'm originally, I guess, before that from Ghana, uh, which right right next to your, uh, um, you know, Nigeria, where I know your roots are in some ways. Um, but yeah, I was born in Ghana, uh, West Africa. I would say the nation that the nation in Africa that makes the best jollof. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <but> debatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm from Ghana originally. I was born there. And, uh, uh, when I was 10 years old, we moved to my family and I, we moved to Canada. Uh, I was originally in Montreal, then, then Toronto. Uh, and then I just got married uh, a few months ago. So my, my wife is from Ohio. So we moved to, uh, the Columbus area, uh, in, in Ohio. And um, yeah, I've been blogging. I've been writing on my blog, slowtowrite.com, for seven years now, which is kind of hard. To, actually, seven years this month, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that. I've been doing pro-life work as well, too. Uh, I'm a Christian, so I write a lot about a lot of these issues from a Christian point of view and sometimes just basic conservative uh, point of view uh, on these issues. Um, I, I talk about abortion, critical race theory, um, you know, gender theory, all these things that are affecting our, our world today. All the light stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't like controversy at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I want to rewind a little bit, man. Tell me more about your childhood. Tell me about growing up in Ghana and then in Canada. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned that, um, you know, I was, um, I was born in Ghana. Um, but when I said I moved with my family to Canada, but really when I say my family, I'm referring to at the time, um, it was my mom and my older brother. Um, my father wasn't in the picture. Um, you know, we were born, I was born in 87 at the time. Um, the Ghanaian economy, uh, was, was, was a mess. Uh, we had a, a, uh, 
I mean, unfortunately, it's still a mess today in many ways, but it's better than it was in the 80s, uh, where we had a, a communist dictator, essentially, at the time, who was leading the country. So we had extreme poverty uh, at the time. I was born in that kind of environment. Uh, my father, who was a businessman, um, being, frankly, a, um, a, a coward, uh, he didn't want to uh, raise me, uh, considering just what was happening with the economy and he was, you know, he was struggling to pay, um, you know, to, to, he was struggling to provide for the family already with my mom and my older brother at the time. So when my mom was pregnant with me, he just fled the country and actually went, moved to Nigeria. Um, and we've not, we don't, we don't know where he is, um, oh, since wow. then. So I've not had any talk with him whatsoever. Uh, but I was raised in that kind of environment where, you know, already in a very poor, uh, environment. I, you know, I was raised by a single mom mm -hmm. and, you know, I always say being a single mom is hard anywhere, but it's, it's hard <laughs> in Africa. Um, so but my mom being a resilient woman, she worked hard. Um, she raised me in the church. Um, she, um, she worked two jobs, uh, barely sleeping to put me into private school in Ghana, um, so that I had a good education. I even learned French and that actually came out very handy as well. Cause Ghana is not a, you know, we don't speak French. We speak English, but not, not French unlike most West African nations. But then when we moved to Canada, it came in very handy because mm -hmm. we were in a, you know, Mon you know, in Montreal, a French speaking uh, city. So that was very helpful. Um, when we moved to Canada, um, we were in government housing. Um, and sadly, unfortunately, my mom had remarried um, a, another man at the time, and he was also unfortunately abusive uh, to her. So we ended up leaving Montreal to come to Toronto. Uh, we were living in a shelter for a while, but my mom, again, working really hard, got herself out of the shelter and out of the government housing. And she was able to buy uh, her own house where, you know, from, I guess, my late teens on, uh, we lived um, a middle-class life where we had a, you know, we lived in extreme poverty for most of my, my childhood. Um, I became a Christian when I was 19. That really changed my, my passions and my worldview. So I, I became passionate about um, how to live my life as a believer in, in a world um, you know, that is mostly at least, um, yeah, that's mostly not really Christian. So I really wanted to uh, understand the world and I wanted to, um, help other Christians think biblically about, um, the issues. So I wanted to write about the cultural issues that were affecting a lot of young people, including young Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, just, I started writing more about racism and theology and abortion and things like that through my blog. Uh, that was in 2015. Awesome, man. There's there's a lot there. When you were when you were a child growing up and going through all of this, what what was it like? What was it like for you? And what impact did becoming a Christian have on that? You mentioned that there was a shift in your worldview. So what's the difference besides age? What was the difference in worldview between 17 or 18 year old Samuel and then 20 something year old? Samuel, let alone 30 something year old. <laughs> um, there's a big, big difference. Um, I was chasing women. I was, um, I was chasing girls and, um, you know, I did not, um, care much about what it meant to value another person. Um, so that actually the year before I became a Christian, um, when I was, uh, yeah, I, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who just said to me, Sam, what would I say to a girl considering an abortion? Now, mind you, this friend, this friend of mine, her and I were, were very close and we would ask each other random questions. And I thought she was just one of those questions. But 
I learned a year afterward when I become a Christian that um, that question she had asked me was actually the most pressing issue in her life. She had become pregnant herself. Mm. Um, and actually she was being pressured by a friend of mine who was a boyfriend to get an abortion. So when she asked me that question, I said, I don't know. I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, so when I learned that she had had an abortion um, and I had an opportunity to actually help her change her mind, um, that really crushed me big time because now I cared. I now cared about uh, human life. I wanted to live my life in a way that would please God. Um, and um, that had a big impact on me and just realizing, wait a minute, you know, I need to start really caring about these issues because you never know that anything I could possibly say could literally save a life. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, man. How did you become a Christian? You said you went to church when you were a child but you specifically said you became a Christian at 19. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, um, I was raised in a Christian household and I heard, I heard the gospel. I heard, um, you know, the Bible was preached, um, you know, my whole life. Um, my mom, we never miss a Sunday. It doesn't, unless I was dying, I was going to church. <laughs> Even if I was dying, you might say maybe that's the best place to die is, is in the church, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, I never missed, I never missed church. Um, uh, but yet it was my mom's faith. It wasn't my, it wasn't my faith. I did not, um, I, I believed it was true, but it had not penetrated my heart. I was not, as the Bible says, born again. Um, you know, so I heard the same message before in my life, but it was a, I was a bit of a cultural Christian. I knew what it said was true, but didn't really care. Um, I still loved my sins. Um, and I, and I would say I hated God. Um, I, I wanted nothing to do with him really. Um, but I also did. In, you know, you know, the Bible, you know, Christ says, for example, you are either with me or against me in mm -hmm. a sense that, you know, Christian theology teaches that, um, you know, God has, you know, we, he has his commandments, right? He has, uh, you know, if, and if you can't, if, if we love sin um, by nature, we are hating God. Uh, that is what Christians believe. So I recognize that, for example, when I loved, um, you know, fornication and, and, you know, sexual sin, that was me saying I hated God's law. Uh, I did not want to obey God's law. And if I didn't want to obey God's law, it meant that I, I, I hated God's character because it's God's, God's law cannot be separated from, from his character. Um, but when I became a Christian, when I became born again, I, all of a sudden I loved God and I hated my sins. I did not mm -hmm. want to um, live a life of sin anymore. So, um, you know, that change, <laughs> being born again, it really did change me, changed my nature. Um, so, yeah, so I, my mom's faith all of a sudden became my faith. And the Bible talks about how, you know, um, you know, those um, I think it's in the book of John. It says that to those who uh, he gave he gave people the right to be called children of God, not based on their parents faith necessarily, but based on their being born again and trusting in Christ. So that's that's what uh, happened with me. Mm -hmm. And so you started your blog, slowtowrite.com. You started that seven years ago. First of all, I'm curious about the name you go by the handle <laughs> slow to write. Where, where, where's that from? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, people ask me about that and I am a slow writer. I, okay. I am a very, very slow writer, <laughs> but that's actually not why it's, um, you know, the main reason is based off of a, a Bible verse. Uh, it's James one nineteen, which is that everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow, slow to anger. And I created it at the time, my blog, uh, during, uh, in 2015 when, um, you know, Black Lives Matter uh, were just uh, really um, 
you know, becoming prominent in the culture through the Ferguson riots originally. Mm-hmm. A lot of people forget very quickly, suddenly, that uh, before the, the you know, George Floyd riots, you had the original Michael Brown riots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as many people would know, Black Lives Matter is not, they're not just a chapter in America. They have their chapters in the UK yes. and also in, also in Canada. In Canada. So anyway, uh, I created my blog because a lot of my friends were embracing, you know, critical race theory and Black Lives Matter. And I thought, wait a minute, everyone's being quick to speak and slow to listen. Everyone is being quick to react and no one is really taking the time to really just read the issues and understand the facts. So I wanted to be slow to speak or slow to write okay. through my blog. So that's how I came up with that. Gotcha. And what was your first article? Oh man, that's a that's man, that's a wave. So I think actually the first article I wrote was actually not about Black Lives Matter. I think Black Lives Matter was my second article, but the first okay. article was actually a BuzzFeed article. Um uh well no a BuzzFeed a BuzzFeed video which said I am a Christian, but and basically was saying I'm a Christian, but I'm not like those other hateful Christians out there. Mm-hmm. So then I I simply said in my my the title was I'm a Christian, but I'm not ashamed, which is I'm a Christian and I affirm everything that the Christian, the, the, the Bible, you know, teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to be ashamed of that. And then I think my second article was about why I do not support Black Lives Matter. And that really got me a lot of uh, hate. <laughs> yeah, people people love that one. Of exactly. all the hundred and hundred thousand plus tweets I've put out there, the one that caused the most personal drama for me was uh, the one I posted in 2020 explicitly stating that I don't support Black Lives Matter and that the yeah. organization is a scam. And um, yeah, it's now been made very, very clear that the organization is a scam. I'm still waiting on some apologies, but um, yeah, yeah how, how did people react to that, especially at that time? Oh man, um, a lot of a lot of my friends immediately started canceling me. Um, and when I say friends, I'm not just referring to acquaintances. I'm referring to actual some friends, actual friends. Um, yep. Where you know a lot of them, you know, commented and said, "Look, what what's you know what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You don't believe that black people?" I'm like, "Hey, like I'm black, guys. <laughs> if you're forgetting, uh, my mom is black. You know, you're I, where you know I. Of course, I'm not referring. You see, it's it's a very you know fascinating thing that look. We have to admit this." Um, Black Lives Matter probably is the most cunning, yes. brilliant, yes. Um, you know, slogan title for an organization ever. It is so what brilliant. I said in my tweet. <laughs> oh well, well there you go. Uh, right? in, in, in my tweet, I said that I said that a clever name is not enough to dupe all of us. Mm, mm, mm. And yet, sadly, it's duped so many people, right? Millions. And Billions. you know, it's it it it's so clever that even you and I sometimes, when we're explaining why we don't support. Uh, Black Lives Matter. We even oddly sometimes to say, well, obviously we're not addressing what it really means. We're addressing mm-hmm. the organization and what they stand for. Yes. Um, but a lot of people were just couldn't because, frankly, there weren't many people who were addressing the issue. I mean, I had some black friends who reached out to me saying, "Sam, I'm glad you can say because I'm I can't say I'm afraid." I'm like, wait a minute, right? Imagine imagine being a black man but yet being afraid. Or, or a black woman, but being afraid to say why you don't support a group that supposedly is out for you, yes. right? Um, you know, when you know they are not, right? So a lot of people were like, well, how, you know, I mean, how could you possibly say this? And this is wrong. Maybe you don't fully understand things. And I'm like, no, I I fully understand what I'm saying. I've read, I spent, I spent a, a long time, many, many months 
studying the organization, studying critical race theory, studying all these things. In fact, people, people go back to my old articles. They will see that from, 2015, from 2014, 2015, I was warning about what would exactly happen, um, you know, in America and Canada with critical race theory. So, which is, I think, why actually a lot of people started following my blog in 2020 mm. um, when they realized that there've been some people uh, who've been warning about this for several years. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always a frustrating position to be in because, in some ways, when these things come to light or they come to pass, you feel some sense of vindication, but it doesn't feel. It's more frustrating than anything else. That that that's how yeah. I feel. Um, I felt yeah. this with with the BLM issue for sure. Same thing as you. Yeah. Even with a lot of the stuff that came out of the the so called pandemic situation, things I was warning about back in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, regarding mental health, regarding the economy, regarding some of the policies and where they would lead and so on. People were just saying, "Oh, you're selfish. You don't care about people. You you you're pro you're pro the virus. You yeah. want grandma to die, so on and so forth." And now the exact same people are now screaming about inflation and problems with yep. the economy and yep. the fact that children are having slower speech development and this and this. And it's like, yo, there yep. were some people here trying to trying to warn you that this was going to happen yep. because yep. we care, because we yep. have a, a care for humanity. We're just seeing it from a different perspective and oftentimes in some cases actually have more information. Right. Because the stuff about the BLM organization, that's been out there for many, many years. Some people think yeah. BLM started in 2020. If you think BLM started in 2020, don't come and lecture me or lecture you on this topic because you obviously you, you don't even know about it. You, you haven't looked yep. into who are the who are the founders? What are their beliefs? Why are there mm -hmm. all of these things that have nothing to do with helping black people in their thing? Why is there a whole LGBTQ agenda? Why is there stuff about Palestine and Israel? Why is there the whole yeah. abolish the police, dismantle yeah. capitalism, dismantle yeah. the nuclear family? Like I, I, I knew all of this before 2020. Yeah. So when yeah. 2020 comes and it gets sparked up again, I'm like, yo, this thing is, this is just dece deception. And people gave yeah. them millions and millions and millions of dollars, yeah. not just in the USA, but you know, it, it infected your country, it infected my country. Yeah. And when it all comes to light, you know, you can do the I told you so thing, right? And I, you've got yeah. the receipts, you've got the articles up there saying, look, I tried to warn you guys, but at the end of the day, it's, um, I don't know, it, it, it just kind of feels more disappointing and hollow than anything else for me. Yeah, you know, people hate saying I was wrong. Yeah, People would rather keep digging up um, their own grave uh, than to say I was wrong because mm -hmm. of their pride. Um, you know, so very much what you're saying is true. You know, people, all these things have become um, obvious now. And even still, some will say, well, you know, they had the right goals. They the just name. ended it's up. all the name. Exactly. The, the, the power of that semantically overloaded yes. name is, it, it's it's phenomenal. I've never seen that type of marketing where just a yep. name is so powerful and causes people to tread so carefully and yep. be so you have to be so specific because yep. intentionally they made it so that you know it means at least three different things exactly. right so you have to do the okay well i agree with the statement obviously i shouldn't yep. need to explain this i don't need this caveat exactly right? i knew i knew my life mattered and all my black friends and family members i knew everyone's lives mattered prior yep. to 2016 or 2015 um yep. the organization is trash the movement mm, 
little bit of a combination. I'm sure there's people in there with good intentions, but yeah. it's also too closely linked to the organization and their goals and so on. So, yeah. you know, I support this one. I oppose this one. This one, uh, sort of mixed feelings, but overall, I don't think it's done that much good for social cohesion. And I don't yeah. think they've really done anything tangible that has genuinely made life better for black people or reduced no. black people dying from things that they yeah. don't need to. Yeah, Zuby, their impact is in so many ways, whether it was supporting this ridiculous, not supporting, creating the movement to defund the police and how destructive Insane. all that is and just the more distrust for the police, which is not helping anybody, right? That's all bad. We'll remember that. Mm -hmm. But one of its biggest legacies that a lot of people still are not connecting, I think some are, but they, many people are, not, are still not seeing the connection is with gender theory and queer theory. Mm -hmm. You know, people forget this, that um, I think it was about a week or two um, after George Floyd's uh, death, they had Black Lives Matter organized a, I'm, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, organized a, uh, you know, so-called protest, which was called Black Trans, Trans Lives yep. Matter. Yep. People kind of just ignore that aspect. So hold on. A black man has died supposedly under their thinking over systemic racism. And one of the first things that you organize is black trans lives matter. What is the real goal here? All and it's not a, <laughs> exactly. And it's not a surprise that since then you've had this overwhelming number of black people who were against this transgenderism movement who are now going against, uh, going against um, Dave Chappelle over his comedy sketch. How did that happen? You know, not sketch, but his comedy uh, um, specials. Yeah. How did that happen so fast? Because Black Lives Matter is not just about trying to reform what we think about justice or or America, really. It's also about have, making us embrace, especially Black people, embrace the queer gender theory because they're all aligned. You know, critical race theory, um, through their, uh, one of the tenets, intersectionality, it teaches that to be truly anti-racist, mm -hmm. you need to embrace all of all critical theory, including gender theory and queer theory. You know, so I was, I was actually in a debate with this, uh, with this guy on critical race theory a couple of weeks ago. And I said, look, um, you know, giving your views as a Christian, you will supposedly be against these, you know, queer theory and gender theory. But you say you're an anti-racist. Well, do you affirm one of the tenets then in that if you are to be a truly anti-racist, then you need to embrace all of it. He didn't want to answer because that's what's happening. You have to embrace all of it. And that's mm -hmm. why we're now seeing what's happening just two years after critical race theory exploded across our culture. Now you're seeing gender theory and queer theory being pushed onto kids because they're all connected. Absolutely. How do you think being someone who now lives in the USA but has grown up outside of it and experienced those different cultures, how do you think that gives you a different angle? Or perhaps more specifically, what are some of the core differences and things you think people miss on some of these issues between, you know, you've, you've got experience from Ghana, Canada, USA now. What do you think are some of the inconsistencies or similarities or differences just overall? I know that gives you a different perspective. But how do you think that manifests? Yeah, I think it depends in so many ways, because right now I'm in an area that is mostly conservative, um, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, I mean, obviously, America is more conservative than 
Canada. Uh, but I'm particularly in the area near Columbus. Uh, Marion is a small town. Uh, I mean, they call it a city. You know how to talk about this. They call uh, everything point, cities, you know? yeah. <laughs> Americans call everything. No, it's not. You know, this is a very, very small town. But, you know, they would say it's a city. But anyway, um, it's a it's a you know, it's a small town. It's a very conservative town. So, you know, depending on if I was in maybe L.A. and I was just in L.A. some time ago, but if I was in L.A., it might be less of a big difference from, you know, from moving from Toronto to L.A. You know, um, I actually tend to say that L.A. is Toronto, but with, you know, now some would say better weather, but I say worst weather. I actually love the cold. I mean, oh, I'm interesting. A real, you know, I but you anyway. <laughs> you see, it's funny. You know? <laughs> I, thought, I thought so, too, until I left Canada where I'm like, man, you know, I miss the cold, you know, um, so I'm more Canadian than I guess than I guess I am uh, Ghanaian. But I think one of the differences is, you know, for, I'll give you an example with this. I keep telling people that the Freedom Convoy, right, in Canada was really the first mass protest in Canadian history. It's mm. never, ever, nothing close has ever happened before, which is why everyone lost their minds. They couldn't believe Canadians were actually protesting. I mean, Trudeau was so shocked <laughs> that he's like, wait a minute, I got to make this illegal, right? Yeah. Because mm. it's unheard of. Um, but yet, can, you know, Americans, there's a protest every weekend, right? <laughs> you know, good or bad, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I mentioned that because uh, one of the great things that America has, uh, you know, that most countries do not have, and really, America is very unique in this, that their constitution is really unique, and that it's making the Democrats, um, you know, just, they're trying so hard to eliminate it, right? That's their real goal. But they're having a hard time doing so because uh, their constitution is so strong. Mm -hmm. Canada, we didn't have, you know, we, I mean, we didn't really have one until 1982, uh, actually because of Trudeau's father, Pierre Trudeau. Yes. Um, Maybe. And when he is. <laughs> <laughs> look, man, look, I still, look, man, I still want to get back to the country once in a while, okay? You cannot be doing this to me, man. <laughs> You're. Look, <laughs> Look, as you've seen, Trudeau can hey, he has he has all power, man. So I hope look, Trudeau, I don't believe it. Your father is Pierre, okay? Don't <laughs> this man, man, trying to get me banned from Canada. Eh? <laughs> um, but um <laughs> um I uh, every time I see those memes, man, I I I just I just lose it. <laughs> so um but see, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but um yeah, you know, um, with the Freedom Convoy, you know, because we don't really have, uh, you know, frankly, um, your rights, because, you know, our, our um, you know, our constitution says that um, we have, you know, our, um, we have our fundamental rights, but really depending on the, on the government, right? So, so then with COVID, they're able to say, well, no, this is a special issue here where we need to eliminate your rights. Um, so Americans have their constitution, which gives them strong rights in a way that many Canadians don't. But at the same time, you know, I really miss being in a city. I really miss, um, you know, in Canada, we all conservatives know each other, basically. There's all nine of us, you know, we, we know each other. So um, I was always amongst, uh, you know, leftists that I could just really, honest, you know, figure out what, what did they really care about? What, what are their goals? And understand them and right? challenge them, talk to them. They would challenge me. And, you know, America... It's good and bad, but America really is the United States of America in the sense that you have states that are completely different than the other, right? So Ohio right now is very different 
from a New York or a California. Mm -hmm. And that's good because then it gives people a choice to be able to just go where they want to be, right? That's, it's good. But at the same time, it creates an echo chamber at times, right? Where uh, it doesn't create good dialogue, where it can create a lot of trouble uh, for national unity. Now, with Canada, we're, I guess, united in some ways. But the problem is we're united for leftism in many, in many cases. So there are some of the differences that I have, um, you know, that I'm seeing, at least on a national level uh, here. Why do you think Canada is so much more lefty than the USA? Oh man. <laughs> well, you know what? This is this might be a bit controversial here because I think it relates to your nation in some ways in the sense that I think a lot of it comes from when the US uh decided to re rebel against uh the UK. Um it created a natural rebellion for authority, right? Mm -hmm. Or let's say authority, more well, I guess that too, but really for authoritarianism. Yes. Canada ended up um saying no, we are going to stay with the British. Now, that's depending now, you know, some will have different views on it. That's fine. But it created a natural tendency to um to want authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that's been the big shift. So from the very beginning, you have these two nations, uh, which in some ways culturally were very similar, going different paths or uh, over this. Now Canada still maintains some level of um, conservatism, of course, but then, you know, Trudeau, the original Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau, he ended up bringing what he called the multiculturalism agenda, which ended up creating more and more uh, leftist policies through, now, look, I support immigration. I'm an immigrant, right? Mm -hmm. um, but his reasoning was really to, frankly, to remove the Canadian identity into, you know, calling what, what they're not called diversity is our strength. If you ask the average Canadian, what is the Canadian identity? Like, what makes us who we are? They always just say, well, multiculturalism. Yes. Well, but then multiculturalism itself is not an identity. Mm -hmm. It's saying everyone can be your own thing. Well, that's not, you know, unifying to a nation. So I think it stems from all of that. That's interesting, man. So I want to get into some of your some of your writing because you tackle a lot of difficult topics. As you've already mentioned, you have your you talk about religion, you talk about race, you talk about the abortion issue, you talk about a lot of the hot button topics that are going on, not just in the USA, but in the wider world. So you told me a little bit about how you how you got into that, but what is it that what is it that drives you? What is it that makes you feel so passionate to the point that because not a lot of people have blogs like we all we all have opinions and ideas, but not a lot of people have the passion to write it. So it, what's the through line between your various writings? Mm -hmm. Um, you know. As a Christian, I, you know, primarily as a Christian, I want to honor God. Um, you know, if God has given me a skill to write, um, I want to use that uh, to honor him and to, um, you know, hopefully bless, bless people. Um, so that is primarily my goal. Um, I want to, I want to obey God, um, you know, in, in every capacity, including uh, in my writing. Um, the other reasoning is, is that <laughs> I've, um, I have a lot of fears, uh, I'm terrified of heights. I hate being on a plane. I despise being on a plane. <laughs> I don't like bridges, especially over water, because I mm -hmm. can't swim. Uh, I'm thinking something goes. I mean, look, if if the you know if the car, you know, I'm 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 strange because of course <laughs> something goes wrong with the bridge. 
swimming is not going to be my problem, right? You know, gotcha. I'm 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 a goner. Nevertheless, I just don't like large bodies of water because I just know I can't swim. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that because I'm afraid of things like that, but I'm not afraid of people. I'm not mm-hmm. afraid of getting canceled. I'm not afraid of um, consequences of anything that I write. And I never anticipated that um, writing and, and saying, look, saying, I mean, you know, you know this, I'm not different from what I was 10, 15 years ago. It's bizarre right now saying, you know, you know this very well, but saying that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, that men cannot become women. 10 years ago, the hardcore leftists would say, yeah, well, yeah. why are you saying that? Right. <laughs> but now we are radical, you know, yes. so I'm not afraid of saying things that were mainstream 10 years ago. So I think oddly, um, not many people are like that. Not many, many people are afraid of people. And I am not, um, you know, in part because I'm a pretty big guy, you know, so that, that helps a little <laughs> bit, I guess. But um, so I'm not afraid of speaking truth and then dealing with its consequences. And I know that not many people are that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people people email me saying that, look, you say things that I can't say. And also, especially on the critical race theory issue. Um, yeah, you can call me an Uncle Tom. You can call me a house, a house Negro. You can call me whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but a white person, let's be let's be honest, a lot of white people are deathly afraid of being called a racist. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know that many are increasingly, uh, you know, just unafraid to address these these things. But for a long time, people are like, Sam, look, I'm going to support you. I will share your articles, but I can't write what you write. So yes. that just would, you know, I'll, I'll realize, man, you know, just, you know, I if, if people like me uh, who are unafraid of, you know, being canceled or being hated, um, you know, if we don't address this stuff, then a lot of people won't. So that really motivates me to address the things that I write about. And I respect that so much, man. I mean, I can't remember how I first came across your work and started following you, but something I really like about your writing is that you, you make it very clear that you lead with love and you lead with a biblical framing. Right. I think in this time, I mean, and, you know, I I know, you know, I personally know I've been on all sorts of different shows and I'm connected to all sorts of different people. But when people come from everything from a hyper political partisan angle, as often happens, I think, especially in the USA because of the climate and also because of the reward and incentive system, there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of reward in being centered and measured. It's best to kind of be a a left-wing fire-breathing dragon or a right-wing fire-breathing dragon, right? It's just kind of like, you know, attack the left or attack the right, attack the Republicans, attack, just every day, attack, 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 attack. Mm-hmm. And even though I know some of the people who even engage in this are, are decent and good people, some of the, you know, I, I know people like this, in the middle, you know, you, you, lose, the, you lose the love, you lose the compassion, you lose the framing and okay, what, where are these ideas even coming from? What's the Mm -hmm. purpose here? Is the goal just to dunk on the left, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, is that the goal? Is it just dunk on the left, dunk on the left, dunk on the left, or is the goal, okay, I'm leading with what I believe to be love and compassion and the genuine goodness of humanity. And I want to put my ideas across and explain why I'm thinking what I'm thinking rather than just dunk, dunk, dunk. I, I, and I think, that makes your work stand out and it makes it cut through. When, when I talk to you, you're very measured and kind and open. And it, it, you know, it's not like, 
again, you're not you're not talking to this fire breathing dragon, this political mouthpiece who's just you know just bang 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 right. You know just mm-hmm. the talking points. You know, and this can, this happens on on both sides yeah. of the political aisle, and I think that's yeah. so important. And I think increasingly, as the temperature rises and rises and rises, and everything's war, everything's framed in hate and war. And I mean, look look at the language people are using. You know, attack going on the you know it's 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 all this kind of like war terminology yeah and i think maybe there's a time and a place for that but that time and place is not all the time and everywhere and Mm. i think as a christian especially in this sort of climate i think it's good to have people who are just more measured and balanced in the approach and who even understand alternate perspectives so you may not agree with them but you know you were surrounded by all these lefties when you were in, in, in Canada. So you can at least understand where they're coming from and not just go straight to the demonization and dunking. You might be like, look, I think this is totally wrong. I think this particular, I think your view on this issue is, is wrong. And here's why I think it, here's my framing of beliefs and so on. So I I think your work is fantastic, man. It really stands out. Well, you're, you're very kind, man. I really appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you. It really does. So thank you. Uh, You know, I was telling what you said about, um, maybe part of that being because I've been able to, able to engage with, uh, you know, leftists and stuff. I always tell my wife and she doesn't, I mean, she understands it, but she's always kind of amazed by it, which is I miss being, being around the crazies. I miss it <laughs> because I, I enjoy, you know, I really enjoy learning from them, you know, and honestly, it gives me good material for my writing too. So I, I enjoy being around them and learning from them and you know, understanding. And it helps me hopefully be, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that if I wasn't, in the environment that I was in in Toronto, I wouldn't be able to hopefully be able to understand um, what leftists are thinking to be able to mm-hmm. address it and help uh, present it to conservatives so that they can understand what is really going on. You know, but also, you know, what you said about me being kind, again, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, one of the things that I really, um, you know, uh, stand by, I always say, and it's really influenced by, you know, being slow to write or being slow to speak, it is that I want to be candid yet kind. You know, I, I, I never, ever, I, I have an article saying that I don't want to be nuanced. I hate, I hate the word nuanced and <laughs> in, 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 in the sense that some people mean, um, you know, nuance means something like being so subtle, you might miss it. Right. Okay. Now that's, that's good when you're being artistic, right? Um, nuance is good for that. But when you're being, we need to teach truth. I don't mm-hmm. want. I don't want to be so subtle. Someone might miss it. I want to be very plain and candid. Um, you know, so I try to write in a way that's very candid, but hopefully kind. You know, mm-hmm. and look, I don't. My goal is not my. I mean, of course, part of my goal is to make people become conservative, at least you know, in affirming human rights for all. Uh, mm-hmm. And protecting, you know, uh, protecting families, protecting individuals, protecting children, uh, whether it's against gender, gender theory, critical race theory, or especially abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, but my goal is not to make people become conservative or Republican uh, primarily. Yes. Uh, as a Christian, as a Christian, my goal really is to help people love God and love their neighbor. Now, look, <laughs> at, at the risk of of, of offending people, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm candid, right? As a Christian. I believe that there is a heaven and a hell. Mm-hmm. I believe this. And there are there are leftists in hell and there are Republicans and conservatives in hell. What I want is for people to love Christ and to love God and to love their neighbor. That's really what I'm addressing. And I'm addressing that within the context of politics or, you know, Republicans and and, and leftists and all that. But hopefully I'm using that a way to draw people to saying, look, 
Christ is the truth. If we really want to understand truth, well, we find that truth in Christ. And that's what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Something you talk about in several of your articles, and it's something I've noted as well, is that we're living in a time where it's very clear that a lot of Christians and churches themselves and even church leaders are bending themselves to completely conform to, honestly, this new secular religion of whether you want to call it wokeness, you want to call it leftism, you want to call it, uh, you know, this combination of critical theories and ideologies, they are leaning into that more than they are leaning into the Bible and actual Christianity. I mean, I'll be straight up. I think Christianity in the West has become extremely soft and extremely diluted and watered down in incredible huge number of ways to the point where it's indistinguishable from like actual woke progressivism. I mean, you've, you've got some churches, not all churches, you know, perhaps not even most, but you've got some who are just completely on board with a very anti-Christian worldview, whether this is them being pro-abortion, this is them throwing up rainbow flags all over the place. This is them supporting Marxist organizations like BLM. I mean, there's churches where you've got BLM flags and pride flags and you don't even have a cross. Hmm. Right. And they're hmm. calling themselves hmm. Christian churches. You know, hmm. God's pronouns are they, them. I saw that sign not so long ago. Yeah. This type, this type of stuff. So, I mean, I, I don't even know what, what the question is here, but what do you think is going on here? Yeah. Um, I was going to say, if you don't have a question, don't worry. I, I have a lot to say about that. Okay. Anyway, go, go on. I'm, I, um, there's so many reasons why we are where we are. Um, you know, one is, it's just as true for, especially for Canada, but in America as well, too. It used to be that um, the, one of the reasons why people referred to America or Canada or even Britain as Christian nations, they weren't saying that these were, these nations were only exclusive to Christians, but they were saying that these were Christians, so these were nations that were highly influenced by Christianity to the point where, you know, churches built hospitals churches built schools mm -hmm. it was impossible not to be affected in one way or another if you were living in these nations by christianity but what happened is a lot of these churches a lot of these christians decided to leave everything up to the government well once the government oh, as we've come to learn the government never does things never does uh, things well mm -hmm. and that's so over time the church has become increasingly irrelevant to a lot of people where now when people are struggling instead of just going to a church for help they would just say, well, you know, where's the government agent, right? And a government agent is not going to help them uh, as well. Um, so that's part of the problem. But I think in terms of churches or pastors getting soft, you know, <laughs> people, you know, sometimes would tell, would say to me, when I'm being candid and yet hopefully kind, but just by being candid, they would say, well, you're being mean and everything. I'm like, man, you wouldn't survive in Africa. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man, like you are butter soft. Yeah. Man, you know, not to make light of bullying, okay? I want to <laughs> that's probably, you know, whenever you say that, you probably don't know where it's going to go. But mm -hmm. not to make light of bullying, but I always say, you know what? My biggest bully uh when I was a kid was my mom, okay? It was my mom. Now, mm -hmm. I, that's tongue in cheek, right? I'm not being serious, but my point is, my mom always say, "Look, if I don't tell you, who's going to tell you?" Right? That's what she would always say to me. Now, it wasn't insulting or anything like that. It was just hard things to hear that mm -hmm. as a kid, I might say, oh, man, I'm being bullied, but that wasn't the case. But you're just telling me hard truths, and I appreciate that. Look, 
you know, in many ways too, of course, a lot of churches in Africa are not healthy as well too, right? A lot of the prosperity gospel, you know, saying that if you give me money, you know, God will give you a thousand dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But but the one thing that I'm grateful for is that a African pastor generally, an African pastor will tell you what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. They're not going to dance around it. They'll just be straight to the point. And that's just part of our, you know, I mean, I know obviously I, you know, there are many different African cultures, but generally we just like to be straight to the point. And people in the West don't like that. They dance, even, even conservatives, they dance around the topic or even as we were saying, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, they will, they will spend, you know, they will spend half of the time explaining and apologizing that they're not really saying they hate black people. And then finally they will get to the point. No, just be direct. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think, we're soft in, in the West when it comes to a lot of Christians, because frankly, um, as the Bible teaches, we fear men more than we fear God. Mm-hmm. We're more afraid of disagreeing with God than um, we're more afraid of disagreeing with people than disagreeing with God. Yes. And um, that's, that's a lot of it, you know? So a lot of people are much more concerned about frankly, filling their churches with, with people than uh, in a sense, filling, you know, heaven with people right mm. now. I'm not saying that, that's, you know, God is the one who saves, not an individual. Nevertheless, a lot of people care much more about their own so-called ministries. I've had calls from pastors saying to me, Sam, I'm struggling with this critical race theory stuff because people are telling me I need to start teaching it. Uh, otherwise, people from my church will will leave or no one will come to my church. I'm thinking, what are you calling me for? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know what the Bible says. The Bible says preach in season or out of season, which basically means preach the truth, preach what the Bible says, whether people are against you or not. Be mm-hmm. faithful to what you've been called for. But people are so afraid of offending people and frankly losing their so-called you know ministries that they don't want to teach the truth. And I think a second, well, there's several reasons, but another reason is, um, you know, a lot of Christians are ashamed of our history, right? In the sense that um, in the West, you had a lot of Christians supporting slavery and segregation. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, of course, it was also Christianity that ended slavery and segregation as well, too. The civil rights movement, for example, were uh, led by Christianity. Um, nevertheless, a lot of Christians, sadly, or people who claimed they were Christians, supported segregation and then to an extent also slavery. Mm-hmm. I think that's made a lot of Christian leaders today. Um, they've become so embarrassed about that history. Now, of course, you know, as a black person, obviously, but as a Christian, I'm not... Um, thrilled that some Christians, you know, supported these things, but it's not surprising to me because they're sinners. All right. Nevertheless, I think so many people, they don't want to repeat what happened with their forefathers. So they say, well, I want to maybe, maybe the same, in the same way that some Christians in the past were wrong about supporting, um, um, you know, slavery or segregation, maybe if I'm against critical race theory, I might be wrong as well, too. Mm-hmm. The problem is they're actually repeating the same thing their forefathers did in the sense that, you know, people who were supporting slavery, the Christians who were supporting slavery, they were doing so against what the Bible teaches. Yes. People who are supporting segregation, they were doing so against what the Bible teaches. They were actually agreeing with the culture at the time. Mm-hmm. So ironically, some of these pastors or some of these leaders who are embracing critical race theory, they're doing so for the very same reason that their forefathers did, which is because of the culture, right? You can't shift 
based on the culture and thinking you'll be right. No, just agree with the timeless truth from God. Mm -hmm. And I'm even more concerned with, uh, man, I'll be, I'll be straight up. I'll be, I'll be candid in the way you are. The thing that makes me just cringe and shake my head the most is when so-called Christians, let alone so-called Christian leaders in the West, like support abortion Mm. and are pro-abortion. That that's the one that just makes me like, I don't know, something like critical race theory. It's kind of like you you can more easily. Number one, I think the the effect is less lethal, right? Mm. Um, mm. Clearly, right? It's it's a less lethal thing, and it's something where you can sort of see how someone gets, you know, their compassion gets hijacked, and it allows them, it allows people yeah. to use this stick to beat them with that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, I'm just like, that is un- so unacceptable. How how are you a, a pastor, supposedly, or you're a free, and you're literally supporting and so like you're talking about abortion in this positive, this positive light, right? You're you're feeling awful and you're lamenting, uh, lamenting any new bill that's passed, or you're l- lamenting and crying about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. What it, that's the ones where I'm just like, oh man, like. And I know this isn't necessarily new. I think yeah. the only thing new is we can now see so many people's different opinions uh, via Twitter and all these other mediums. But I know this has been going on for decades. But that one in particular is just so egregious to me that yeah. uh, I, I don't know. As soon as I see that, I, I can't, I cannot respect someone who's claiming to be. I, I don't know, man. Like that, that one's just like, dude, like what, what are you saying? Like, what are you doing? Right. And then they're getting, of course, those are the people then that these, you know, re, let's be honest, like totally secular, you know, God hating leftists will then mm-hmm. uplift and say, Oh, look, well, look, there's this, there's this pastor who's this. And I'm, I'll, I'll be straight up. I think so-called progressive Christianity is worse than atheism. Oh, Oh, absolutely. By far, absolutely. like by, by far, actually, like, I don't even think, when, when someone is, you know, claiming this stuff, but then they're just rejecting and going against every single thing yeah. in the Bible, but they're still professing. You know, if someone's just like, look, I'm an atheist, I'm secular, I don't believe in this, the Bible has no authority, right? Like, I can respect that. I'm just like, okay, that's your, it's it's clear cut. You're not trying to use this and twist it and manipulate it and what on. Yeah. But on those, I'm just like, man, I can't respect it. Absolutely. Um a, actually, I would say that a progressive Christian, so-called anyways, is an atheist who's dishonest. It's a, it's a, it's a dishonest atheist wow. in the sense that um, you know, the Bible says that um, the fool says there is no God. Um, so many people um, say that's the atheist. And I would say that's true. But it's not just address, it's not just saying that um, the fool says God doesn't exist. It's also saying the fool acts as if God is not real, right? So even if you say God is real, God exists, but you're not living like it, you're a fool just like the atheist. It's the same thing. So the progressive Christians are people who basically say, well, yeah, we believe God exists and we believe, you know, he wrote the Bible, maybe, you know, they're, they're, they don't really believe in the Bible in many ways, but they're, they're double-minded um, so and the Bible says that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. They're unstable people. They're, they're almost schizophrenic. Um, they, they are people who are led more by the culture than by Christ. 
And they're absolutely much more uh, dangerous in many ways than the atheists because the atheist is outside the church yes. um, saying what they're saying. The so-called progressive Christian is inside the church deceiving many people. They are mm. they are the, 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 the wolves in sheep clothing, and they're much more dangerous. They're the kind of people that are leading. Look, people don't, don't know this. Um, I think it's roughly almost 40% of abortions in America are um, are from women who go to church at least once a month, mm-hmm. at least once a month, almost 40%. Yep. That is 400,000 babies a year that are killed by people who go to church. Mm-hmm. Now, the church is you might too scared s- to even talk about that. Exactly. And that's why I can't, I'll, yeah, I can't stand progressive Christians because they are the ones who are pushing these ideas that are leading to babies being killed and yet as you know and i don't know when this will be um you know uh when you uh you know um, um share this but just this morning there was uh a progressive christian who was saying that um you know we you know the christian shouldn't say i want to protect my rights they should say i want to protect my neighbor's rights i saw that as if as if those are two different things no i think they said i want to protect my neighbor not my neighbor's uh, rights Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. As if protecting your neighbor's rights isn't protecting your neighbor, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, but that's, but yeah, they have this warped view of the gospel, which leads to a warped view of uh, justice and human rights. And they are, they are significantly much more dangerous um, than the, uh, the atheists. In fact, you know, Christ, Christ addressed the Pharisees a lot more than the Romans, mm-hmm. um, this is going to offend some people, but the Romans would the Romans would be, I guess, the atheist, and the Pharisees would be the progressive Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, so for me, I'm much more obviously I'm not an atheist, and I think that's also a concerning. They won't like this, but it's also a religion. Uh, to be an atheist is a religion. We are all religious in some way. Um, nevertheless, um, the most dangerous religion I think is the counterfeit to the tr- the truth, which is progressive Christianity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question. I, I don't think I've asked a guest this before, but I think it'll be an interesting question for you. You may you may have an answer off the top of your head, or it may be one that you need to think about a little. Um, what do you think that, I don't like to use the terms the left and the right, but I'm going to make an exception right here. In, in this modern Western era, what do you think, what do you think is the most valid or thing that people on the left generally are most correct about and mm. what do you think is the thing that many modern conservatives or people on the right are generally more wrong about is there anything that's a great question mm. on the left what i'll say they're right about okay so i'll, I'll <laughs> maybe i can answer it this way okay i did a i did a uh, like i said a discussion or a debate with a critical race theory some time ago and one of the issues of what he thought might be a contention you know of contention was that the west is broken mm-hmm. right um as in like the western society system itself I said i agree with you of course it's broken there's no perfect system in this world every system is broken mm-hmm. um so to leftist um are not satisfied well they are completely against but yet they wouldn't think it's you know they're not satisfied with uh with freedom right with liberty that's not enough well Mm -hmm. i'm not either um because you know i recognize that there's always going to be injustice so so leftists are right to want to eliminate 
all disparities and all you know not just disparities but all uh you know you know unfair unfair discrimination exactly yeah they're right to do all that now the solutions are completely wicked and evil will make Mm. things even worse but as a christian i recognize that of course um this world is broken this world is filled with injustice and and no matter what we do even if we have well i guess this leads to the next part which is what conservatives get wrong is that too many times we conservatives are are satisfied with you know we just ideally we think we have our own kind of utopia in a Mm -hmm. sense which is that you know we you know conservatives so uh, leftists are essentially communist and the or I should say the most extreme leftist is a communist. Yes. The most extreme conservative would be an anarchist of sorts. And they're both utopian views in a sense that if we only get this, um, if we only arrive at this level in our in our goal, then everything will be almost perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, no. No matter what you do, there's always going to be injustice. The only hope, the only solution is that we need a new world. We need mm-hmm. a new world that does not exist right now or cannot exist right now. And of course, I believe then that is Christ returning and making all things new, ending all death, ending all suffering, um, which will include punishing the wicked who do not trust and believe in him. And that is my hope. You know, So the conservative has a hope in a lesser government or a better society. The the leftist has a hope in the communist utopia. They're mm-hmm. both not only not only will they never happen, they can't happen, and they're not. Uh, they, they will not accomplish what their what 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 their goals are. But yeah. the only hope is in Christ. Amen. Of all the various issues and topics that you think about and discuss, what um, with where we are right now, we're in such an interesting and unique place and time in human history. I, I say this all the time. There's so much to be excited and optimistic about. Simultaneously, there's so mm. much to be disturbed and feel very pessimistic about. Um, so actually, let's answer both of those questions. What gives you the most hope, hope and optimism about where society and culture is? And what is it that concerns you the most? Out of all, all these different issues, all these things going on, what concerns you the most? Mm-hmm. You can answer either one first. I should probably answer the second one first. Okay. Which is what concerns me the most. What concerns me the most is how quickly and radically we are uh, moving. Um, where, you know, I, I've seen the, you know, there's obviously gender theory, queer theory, transgender ideology, everything, everything, you know, that's happening with that. Um, you know, recently there's that Boston, Boston, um, uh, I'm forgetting hospital. Uh, I'm forgetting the, the exact name where they were, um, they were essentially, they had an ad getting kids um, to actually, I'm going to butcher the name. I'm forgetting. What is that? What is it called? The surgery that removes a woman's Philippine tube and basically removes their entire womb. He's uh, direct to me. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. They're pushing for that. It's an ad for a, a hospital. Mm-hmm. Even even two years ago, maybe this would be this would be unthinkable. Yes, and it's happening already. That is terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. And what's also scary to me is, this: what happens anytime you have radical things like that happening so fast? What was radical 
two years ago becomes normal. Mm-hmm. That scares me. Yes. You know, so for example, okay, I'll hey, I'll be candid. Go for it. A lot of conservatives were against gay marriage just five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Now they support it. Mm-hmm. Here's the issue with that. You don't arrive at you know gender ideology. You know, look, if you say now, if someone says, you know, that's what they believe, that's what they believe, fine. But the issue is this: if you say that two men marrying each other is the same as a man and a woman marrying each other, you've already learned a lines of what it means to be a man or a woman. That's naturally going to create a trajectory that leads to, well, why can't a man become a woman? Why mm-hmm. can a woman become a man? Some will say, well, no, that's unfair because that's one's about biology. And well, marriage is also about biology as well. And I think we've been blurring the lines for a while where now so many of us are forgetting because we're all focusing on increasingly how radical things are going. We're mm-hmm. forgetting. So right now we're focusing on, well, what it means to be a human, what it means to be a man or a woman. Yes. Well, we've ignored what it means to be a family. What does mm-hmm. that mean? So now you have kids, for example. So we can we can we can say, man, how terrible is it that you know we're forcing and manipulating kids to have hysterectomies? That's okay. I'm glad many of us are against that. Yes. Well, what about what about two men um, buying a woman's womb so they can raise raise a child? Mm-hmm. Where many conservatives we talk about how it's important to have a nuclear family, but increasingly because. We are so distracted by the one radical idea happening now. We're forgetting that, well, even what seems to be normal today with, you know, two gay men, uh, you know, um, having sur- you know, a surrogacy and having a child and raising them, that that's also hurting that child as well. Mm-hmm. I guess in some ways worse. So not, not as, I mean, not as, not as bad as the kid, you know, um, you know losing their, their body parts, yeah. but it's still damaging to that kid. So that concerns me. The one thing that gives me hope is I think a lot of liberals and conservatives are starting to see, are starting to ask, how did we get here, mm-hmm. right? What is happening here? And it's leading to some good unity, which I think is helpful. Yes. Um, but yet, I think within that unity, you can also, uh, we shouldn't forget our differences because it's some of these differences that have that has led to where we are today. But yet, yeah. I'm very glad that you have some people, whether it's atheists or others, who are starting to say, wait a minute here, who is my enemy? Maybe my enemy isn't the Christian. Maybe my mm-hmm. enemy isn't the conservative. Maybe the leftist who are, who are now trying to cancel me, as in the atheist or the liberal, maybe yes. they're the problem. Uh, and also, I mean, I know even Sam Harris has been, while you know, Sam Harris is a strong atheist, um, from what I've been reading, he's even now suggesting, wait a minute, maybe our society does need a Christianity. Now he's not, mm-hmm. now he's not a, a Christian by any means, but I think, I think even him is saying that, well, Christianity does help the culture. Um, mm, so that's, that's been encouraging to see. Yeah. I have a, I have a herd immunity theory on religion and Christianity mm-hmm. in particular, as it pertains to the West, which is that you, you, you understand the, the, the general concept of, of, of herd immunity, right? Yeah. Where once a certain number of people have, you know, a, a certain number of people having being 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 immune to a disease can stop it from reaching pandemic levels. I, I think that religious people do this in a society. Hmm. So I don't think that. So on. Okay, take a take a whole nation, take a whole society, m- millions of people. Whether you're talking about a city level, a nation level, 
right? You don't need not every single person. Again, I'm, I'm speaking here. I'm speaking pragmatically. I'm not speaking in real theological terms, right? Not everyone needs to be a Christian in order for morality, right? For, for general morality to continue to exist and be propagated, right? But if they're all removed and the, the anchor is just disintegrated, right? And it all just becomes, hey, okay, we can just make up our own thing. We don't have any, you know, there's no, there's no objective morality. We just have, you know, the science and our own ingenuity to work with. And we come up with all these ideas and concepts or whatever. And there are not people there saying like, wait, hang on, slow down. What about this? What about that? Then over a long period of time, people forget and lose those basic concepts. I think this is how we've reached this point of people having this debate. What is a man? What is a right? Christians aren't having that conversation. Muslims aren't having that conversation. Jewish people aren't having this conversation. You know, what is uh, religious people know what a man is. Religious people tell you what a man is, a man is a woman. There's no, right? All of these ideas are coming from people who have, you know, they've, they've drifted so far away from this that this is happening. And the people who are pushing back against it, right? It's being led by, again, and you, you don't need and you shouldn't need to be religious to hold some of these positions, right? Abortion is the same thing, right? You don't need to be. I mean, the strongest anti-abortion arguments are completely science-based and secular, as far as I'm concerned, right? Um, I mean, if you want to go to the deepest, deepest level, then it can become more theological in terms of like value of an actual human life. But in terms of like what's actually happening, you, I don't know why someone should need to be religious to go, wow, this is this is bad. This is an this is an atrocity, right? Like science. Like look, look at look at the scans for yourself. Look at what's going on, right? We know about human DNA. We we have more information now due to science to say actually, wait, this thing is this is this is bad. This is not good. We're killing an innocent human life. Um, so I have this kind of theory. Like I haven't I haven't sort of fleshed it out totally, but I think that religious people act as this bulwark to prevent things from just yeah, we're having this we're having this moral you know immorality pandemic going on. But it's 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 not allowed to just come, run completely rampant because there are people, right, speaking up and stopping going, wait, hang on, right? You might not believe in this book, right? You might not follow this exactly, but this is really where a lot of our moral code comes from. And you can't yeah. just you can't just blow this up and burn it and then let society run for decades or for centuries and then be shocked and surprised when you know, you've, you've disintegrated the moral roots and now people are just behaving and even believing things that are nonsensical and don't make sense. And it's very hedonistic and nihilistic and so on. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree with you. I think, um, you know, obviously, you know, we Christians, uh, what the Bible teaches, we know that, um, you know, we want everyone to be a Christian uh, mm -hmm. for the sake of their soul. Nevertheless, the Bible does teach that, you know, we Christians are the light of the world um, and, you know, we should let our light shine. Well, what does that mean? Uh, we are a blessing to people. So it, even in, so for example, in America and Canada, as I mentioned before about, uh, you know, when we called it a Christian nation, we weren't saying that every single one was a, a, a true Christian, mm -hmm. but that the, the number of Christians that had influence, right, were able to have some people who were not Christians, uh, mm -hmm. but yet they had a respect for their religion or they had a affinity for their religion. And I think um, 
that that is true in the same way. So I think um, obviously I want everybody to be a Christian, yes. but at the same time, I know that um, when a society right now is asking, well, what does it mean? You know, if, um, if people are asking, you know, what is a woman or what is a baby, mm-hmm. then what does it mean to be a human? And we can't understand that. We can't understand what it means to be a human unless we understand what it means to be made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't understand what it means to be an image of God until you understand who God is. Yeah. Nevertheless, I think since society is starting to ask these, are starting to ask these questions, um, hopefully they will come to see that Christianity answers all of these things. Mm-hmm. We have the science that will affirm what Christianity says. But yet, when it comes to the asking why, Christianity can can answer that, and then hopefully, um, as people come to appreciate um, the good, um, you know, I mean, the, people are attacking the West, you know, and well, the West was really built on not just Christianity, obviously, but very much influenced by Christianity. And there's a reason why we're now like men. Well, we've been, you know, we are as we stray away from our principles, things are getting worse and worse. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's you know, so we need to again embrace. Um, uh, you know, even if someone's not going to be a Christian, at least have a respect for the Christianity that will lead to affirming somebody else's rights. So yeah. anyway, I definitely, I didn't say it as equally as you did, but I definitely. <laughs> agree yeah, well, it's, it, well, you know, the thing is, in, in the complete absence of the idea that human beings are uniquely special and created in the image of God, if the idea is that we are simply, and it's this, you know, we are simply high level apes on a spinning rock going around, you know, a burning, yeah. a burning sun, then you know, then we, then we are just animals. We're yep. just animals, right? Exactly. We might be higher level animals. We might be animals that have some higher concept of ability to think or to be, be conscious. But if we're just animals, that kind of thinking, and it doesn't have to lead this way, but I think, again, on a society, on an individual level, it doesn't have to lead this way. But I think on a societal level, oftentimes, if you haven't got, a, there has to be, if there aren't some like real strong social codes or some something coming, something coming from higher up, then if we're just animals, we're just animals, then nature is amoral, right? If you've yeah. watched wildlife documentaries, you've watched animals behave, right? That's nature true. is amoral, right? If a, if, a, if a chimpanzee goes and kills another chimpanzee or, you know, does this or does that, there's animals that eat their own young or kill, you know, the, the somewhat a new male comes in and kills, kills the kids of, you know, the, the females are, we, we, we're not like, oh, that's immoral. It's just like, that's exactly. a lion. That's a tiger. That's a bat. That's a chimpanzee, right? Like that's exactly. just how they roll, right? They just have instincts. They just act on it. Survival of the fittest, right? Exactly. And you can start to justify and start to rationalize a lot of really dark stuff. If that is the, if that's the view, right? Yeah. If the view yeah. is simply, look, we're just survival of the fittest, man, right? Like just the, 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 the strongest survive. I mean, you know, lie, cheat, steal, deceive, especially for people outside your tribe, right? You could say, okay, there's some morality towards your kin and your family and your children mm-hmm. and so on. But like, what about outsiders, right? Yeah. What about outside? What about someone who's getting in your way? Especially if you can get away with it, right? Yeah. Then, all, then all you have is the laws, right? You, all you have is the law of the land, right? And, you know, but if you can, if you can get away with it, right, then why, then why not do all these things? So, you know, these are, these are deep philosophical conversations that, you know, people have been having, it's not a new conversation. People have been having this for centuries, but that's, that's what I think about when I think of this kind of like religious herd immunity 
yeah. idea of I, I just don't think you you can't just gut all of these moral roots and gut all of Christianity and you know just throw all yeah. that away. Oh, we're we're so smart after these thousands of years. We can, we can throw all this away yeah. and we're magically gonna we're magically because you can't have a void. You know, nature yes. abhors a vacuum. You can't have a void. It gets filled up. It's getting filled up by critical race theory. It's getting filled yeah. up by all these isms and schisms and ideologies yeah. and all yeah. of these other things that people are starting to worship and become tribal about, you know, because yeah. as you said earlier, human beings ultimately um, at our core and whether you believe that we are created by God or someone believes we purely just evolved, you can't deny the fact that we are certainly wired for religious belief. Exactly. And just to add to uh, everything you said, you know, um, in some parts of Nigeria or maybe most parts of Nigeria and especially in Ghana, um, you know, well, I guess it's even true for the northern part of Nigeria where uh, it's mostly Islamic. Mm -hmm. um, to affirm what you said about herd immunity when it comes to this, transgender ideology is not growing there. You know, in Ghana, some people are trying, but it's very small, but vocal minority really being empowered by a lot of these uh ngos uh, mm -hmm. across uh yeah you know, they're, they're trying to but it's not gonna work no way um nevertheless not everyone in ghana who you know goes to church or or supports you know or would say the christian is really genuine christian a lot of there's just cultural christianity right or even their neighbors who may not go to church at all who may not profess christ they have some respect for uh for christianity and they are against this and that affirms what you're saying that mm. because of herd immunity, they're not buying any of this stuff, you know? So yeah, everything you're saying is, is very, very true. Thanks, man, man, Samuel, we, this is one of those ones we could, we could go on for a long time. Um, but where can people find you online? Yeah, they can find me. Well, one, I've really enjoyed this, man. It's really just been a good conversation. I was uh, before we did this. I asked you, "Hey, man, what are we talking about?" And you're like, "Oh, man, you just want to have it, you know, just a good talk." And I'm like, "Oh, man," but you know, I'm I'm a writer, man. You know, I'm I'm comfortable writing. I'm not really a speaker yet, but I've really enjoyed it. It's been it's been very nice and you know simple, just having a conversation. So I really enjoyed it. So thank you for that. But yeah, they can they can find me on uh, Twitter, um, Facebook, um, Instagram. At uh, slow to write, uh, they're not gonna find me on TikTok. Uh, uh, that's that's dance uh, videos. I, <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm a, people, Samuel. hey man, I'm a Ghanaian. <laughs> I can I, I I can dance, but nah, man, I wanna I wanna keep my reputation as a uh, you know nice and cool collected Westerner, you know. But no, um, they can also find me, of course, at my blog, slow to write. And if they choose to, they can support me um, as well too. But yeah, they can find me on my blog and social media pages at slow to write. Awesome. Samuel Say, thanks for coming on Real Talk with Zuby. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stuntly and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.